Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. Are we doing this? How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking knots? What the fuck, skis? What the fuck, Ricans? What the fuck, Canadians? It, it, I don't want to start this again. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. I appreciate your name suggestions. All right, let me get a little business out of the way before we get into the show. Today on the show, by the way, Patton Oswald will be here in the garage. All right, I've had my problems with Pat in the past, but you know, deep down, I love the guy. I like uh, like his comedy. He's a smart guy. Yeah, I got to admit to being a little resentful at some point, but I don't think you'll find that surprising. But he's going to be here. We're going to talk. He's got a new book out, uh, but he's not here to plug the book. He's here to talk to me. That's the way I see it because I'm not a plug fest over here. So let me plug some stuff. Did I mention the apps? We've got the WTF app for iPad, iPhone, and Android. And if you upgrade to the premium... Uh, you will get free bonus content along with every episode. And this stuff, this is stuff that we didn't release before. It's uh, only it's stuff from the the uh, special premium donors CD, Best of WTF Volume One. So you'll get that if you uh, upgrade to premium on the apps. Also, since there are a lot of new people out there listening to the show because of what's been going on lately, we do work on sort of a donation system here at WTF. If you like the show and you want to support the show, you can go to WTFPod.com and uh, kick in a few shekels. You can uh, you can do a $10 a month thing, and I'll send you a T-shirt and some stickers. Uh, or you can do the super premium package where you donate a one-time donation of $250. You will get a Scream T-shirt, a Cat T-shirt, my three CDs, the best of WTF CDs, some uh, some stickers, a postcard, and, and a secret uh, decoder ring. And my love forever, my undying love. Or you can donate whatever you want. You can make a donation of any amount you would like. I I would like all of you right now who are listening, every one of you, just to go donate $10. All of a sudden, I'm Soupy Sales. Soupy Sales on his children's show asked everyone to go and get some money out of your mommy's purse and send it to Uncle Soupy. And Uncle Soupy was fired. Fired. I'm wearing the fat pants. If anyone's uh, interested in that, in my neurotic bullshit, I got the fat pants on because I just couldn't take the way the other pants fit. I am, uh, I'm, I'm back in therapy. I actually changed therapists. I got rid of the, the therapist I was going to before. I'm going to another one. This is specific. It seems scary. I don't know what's going to happen to me, people. All right, I was going to one that was sort of a placeholder. She was all right, but I just, you know, I basically did with her what I do here. Oh, I don't mean to say this is therapy, but you know, you just sit and you talk to somebody. So I went to this place for an evaluation. So it's like it's pretty focused on a relationship stuff, sexual stuff, love stuff, emotional wiring. I was there for a two-hour. It actually turned into a four-hour evaluation, uh, and this has to do with my wiring. It's time to fucking you know, you know, man up and deal with this shit. Get in there and rewire this shit. No medicine. Let's do it old school. Let's change the behavior. After four hours, the dude says to me, I'm not sure I get the the sense that you're really ready to change. And I'm like, really, we're going to do this tough love bullshit on the first day? I'm not ready to change? Look, I'm going to do the best I can. I can't help it if I get into relationships with crazy girls. I can't help it if occasionally I like to go on the road and sleep with strangers. I can't help that stuff. I mean, that stuff is, you know, I've earned that. 
I mean, I tried the marriage thing. It, it, it fucked up twice. I've tried the relationship thing. I had to change the locks on my doors and, and be afraid to, you know, you know, you know what it's like to be a man locked in your own house, you know, afraid of a 110 pound girl outside because you don't know what's going to happen. And you're on the phone saying, just go away, go away. I'm, I'm going to call the police. That is emasculating. Is that what love looks like for any of you? So I'm going to this guy, and honestly, I don't know if I am ready. I'm just starting to have a good time, I think, or else I'm starting to lose myself thoroughly. I don't fucking know. Let's read some emails. Subject line, you son of a bitch. Hey, what the fuck, asshole? I had to hear about you from the fucking times. Are you fucking kidding me? I keep up pretty damn well, and I never heard anything about your podcast until that fucking slideshow. You should have done something more. I missed out on this for fucking months, and I'm putting you at fault. I'm a fan of pretty much all of your guests. How did I never hear about you? I'll tell you how. You're a neurotic, selfish mess. And if you gave a shit, you would have gotten some self-promotion done instead of hiding out like your average, talentless L.A. failure. I'm 24. I moved to L.A. two years ago to start writing to fulfill my lifelong passion. The scene out here turned out to be incredibly intimidating. I've been alone and depressed, and my motivation has suffered immensely. Your interviews have shined on my situation like no insightful book or conversation ever has. I see myself in these intimate and lucid back and forths, and it has given me a new outlook on my future. I know I may be making myself out to be a saccharine cliche, but I don't care because just like rough drafts, we're all worthless worthless pieces of shit when we're starting out. So for reals, thank you so much. I'm a little drunk. This letter is not as eloquent as it would normally be. Congratulations on your success. It's well-deserved. But again, fuck you, Sam. I tell you, Sam, with an attitude like yours, you've got a big future in elsewhere, not in Los Angeles. That was weird. I was reading that, and that it kind of hurt my feelings, but then I realized he actually likes me. And I'm, I'm just setting up the stage, all right? I'm setting the stage for the future. I'm back in therapy, and I've, I've got to write a book. I've been offered the opportunity to write a book. They're going to pay me to write a book, so I'm going to be writing a book, and it's going to be, it's going to be my book. That's what I'm going to say about it. So a lot of discipline coming in the future, and I can't fucking keep my goddamn house clean. I got to write a book. I got to do this show twice a week, which I love doing. The book is very exciting, but it's going to take a lot out of me because I'm going to put it all down. I'm going to bleed on the page and laugh at the blood. Laugh at the blood. I don't know how the fuck people keep their lives clean. I've got filing to do. I've got shit stacking up in the house. Every goddamn day is a challenge and there's more shit coming into my house. I'm I'm not going to globalize it though. These are problems that are dealable. I got to write a book. I'm wearing fat pants. I'm going to Portland. Did you meet with that woman who did Artie Lang's book and all those? The yes, yeah. yeah. I actually, I, I gotta say, I actually liked Artie's book, and and same with Jim Norton's book because w- even though I don't agree with a lot of what Jim Norton says, <laughs> which part? Uh, uh, he, being peed on or his he, politics? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but he wrote a fucking book. Like him or not, he sat down and wrote a goddamn book. No, he was into book. it, too, because like, I saw him when he was doing that, and he was like, I'm writing a book. Yeah, and I remember I used to read his blogs on Eat a Bullet, and I was thinking way before he wrote his, a book, I was thinking if he ever sits down and writes a book, it will be an actual book. Right. It, it won't be a bunch of, boy, this this club I worked at was bad, or, you yeah, know, just yeah. 
it was it was an actual narrative. I was pretty impressed and and a little intimidated because like, fuck, now I gotta try to write a book. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you know, it's like uh, you're you know the, you're uh, it's a different thing in, in the garage here at the Cat Ranch is uh, Patton Oswalt, the uh, the nerd prince has uh, <laughs> <Prince>. <laughs> decided to. I for some reason Eight in my generations mind generations inbred. The, well, the <laughs> hollow bones. I always just have this image, you know, based on my own history with uh, trying to uh, pigeonhole you as something yeah. uh, that uh, you know. I, I just see you, you know, walking down the street proudly with a dog of some kind. You know, perhaps a, a dog that looks a lot like you. And we're off. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh Wait, I mean, boy. No, Pat. No, <laughs> I guess it was just my way of saying if you had a dog. What kind of dog would you have? Are we gonna? Will this be the cold open, and we'll do the frenemies theme, or, or did you want to just do that well, later? No, I don't know. I'm just being nice. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to ease in and, and deal with the fact that I think you're very smart and funny, and you wrote a book, and you're in my garage, and you know we have a history together. But mm. all, all of the negative things are something I generate. It has nothing to do with the fact that uh, you seem to be more socially capable than me. <laughs> I just remember uh, <laughs> no, if you if you go back in the. Uh, in the in the in the what the fuck archives, uh, which are, aren't they available as a as an iPod app or something? Yes, Pat, and it's oh. interesting. The early one with Pat Nas, while well, he was on one of my first episodes, yeah. was, is it lost? No, oh. it's available if you get the uh, the WTF new iPhone app. Oh, you thank can, God! Yeah, oh, thank God! All those early episodes, right there for you. <sighs> yeah, it's still out there. So there's an i. So it's the it's the iPhone version of having them on vellum paper and tied in a ribbon. The, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that actually unfolds yeah. like that on the app. <laughs> a little vellum paper <laughs> uh, ribbon unfolds. There's a and, seal. And by the way, if you could hire someone to do that for you, you that's how you would have presented them. They would have. There would have been a little effect of unwrapping <laughs> Look, forbidden letters uh, and oh, have you have you ha- read Marin's correspondence? Yeah, I'm not that far from doing yeah. that. From I delivering things like that. The Vcomt has it now, but I'll make sure you have it next. <laughs> Oh, it's causing a scandal in the salons. Some tired guy shows up in weird shoes. I've, I've just brought you the new WTF. I just remember, though, when you were, it was early on in the podcast, mm. and you were, um, you, you kept emailing me and calling me like, you've got this movie out, yeah. and, and I'm getting all these hits, and you've got to come on my show. Yeah. And, and you, you emailed me, and you called me a lot, and I, I wasn't resisting coming on the show. I was resisting calling in on the phone. I hate calling Shows on the phone. I want to be there live. Well, I think at that time, you know, we were just starting off. Oh no, and, no it was you yeah. were in, you were in New York. You didn't yeah. know if you were going to move back here. You were in limbo. Yeah, and I and I thought that the way to appeal to you was like, you know, Patton has a movie coming out, and I knew that you were only going to be well, on the phone. But here's what was hilarious, though, because you kept saying, and, and your 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 podcast was like immediately popular and and good. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what, this movie is basically has zero budget. Right. Anyway, I can get the word out. Yeah. And then you also said, and you have this, you have your new album out, so you, you really, and I'm like, you know, it will help me. Yeah. And this is after like eight emails and calls. <laughs> then I get on the show with you and you go, so you've got, what's the, you, what are you here to promote? Like some, fu- like like I had bum-rushed your show. What's this movie called? The, 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 the fan of football? Like, and then you like, it's like, you just, you said the name like eight times in the email. But then I realized, oh, Oh, he has to make it look like all right. What, Mister Vidal? What do you want to say? Why are you here in my garage? <laughs> you just show up. I'm trying to, you, well, know. you know. I'd like to, to clear up for my audience. I don't know that it was that many emails, and I think honestly, I did go about five or six. Right, but I'm not sure I had mentioned the name of the movie. I maybe I was being unclear, only to get you <laughs> off your guard a little bit, so I didn't. Uh, yeah. Well, what? you told me that you had seen it at the Angelica, and I remember writing an email back saying, "I'm sorry that you had to see it there because that is." 
the what, you don't like you don't like trains uh, involved in your movie you don't like hearing subways I, during I, your films i remember i was talking <laughs> to the director and he said we got booked to the angelic and i'm like oh it's too bad my character doesn't work in the subway because it would be <laughs> like this sense around i just experience. thought that the booth that you're in the parking lot was moving yeah exactly yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a whole different movie i saw yeah and how many old uh, russian women were behind you just now why is he oh, did... that that theater oh, is a pain in the ass fuck. it's a pain in the ass so, like I, I don't i don't miss that part in new york well why didn't you get it over at ifc that should that would have been nice <laughs> I swear I, that movie was like that movie was released and and toured the country like an unsigned band in the right, back. I was of playing a like three places. I think it was uh, playing in a guy's apartment here. I, I there was one point <laughs> I'm like, screen. is there only one print of this movie? Because it would play <laughs> for five days in the city and then it wouldn't open for another week. Like, did you have to? Did the movie have to drive itself to Austin to get seen? It was. And what did that movie do for you? I mean, uh, did it did it sell any movies? <laughs> did you sell movies? No, do, pe sell do people recognize you as the guy from the fan? <laughs> do they recognize you? Hey, that's the mouse. Or yeah. do they recognize? you as the dude from king of queens i get it's it's like a uh it's like pulling a uh a, a, a slot machine i don't know what i'll get i don't know what i'll but get mostly i, I mostly, bet you it's mostly king of queens. mostly oh yeah mostly it's king of queens and are they excited to see you yes do they come up and treat you like the character rub your head hey <laughs> was my character's head rub? no i do get a lot of they the, have a rubble bull looking head people would people would fumble the name of it they'll go oh that you're in the oh the oh yeah the Raymond guy the guy it was close to Raymond and you're the oh what is it you're on the box that moves yes yeah, so I yeah I get a lot of that stuff yeah but okay Mark yes you are you taking over when well no but it's okay where you're living now mm. do you venture down off the hill to get supplies do you go down to sure I, I I load up my car with uh, things and then I go fill bags Jesus and... God I was in I I stopped at the Rite Aid. But let's make a distinction. You were on the York side. So yeah, the York side and the Colorado side is different. Oh, okay. Like, to get to my house, you come up York. If you were going to buy my house, yeah, you got to come down Colorado oh. and up over the hill from Eagle Rock. Not that I'm judging or classist. But, no, 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 But down on York, it's not unlike Juarez in some parts. Yeah, it was... I, I went to this Rite Aid, and there's a woman in front of me, mm -hmm. this old... Older Hispanic woman wearing a Rite Aid uniform. So she works at the Rite Aid. Rite Aid's a problem. And, right and she has, in front of her, on the, on the conveyor belt... 40, and I counted these, 40 boxes of the Pepperidge Farm Christmas cookies with the green sprinkles on them. Yeah, sell but they But they have Christmas mm -hmm. packages. So yeah, clearly it's some kind of for yeah. sale thing. And she's talking to the cashier in Spanish, and the cashier is also um, Latino, and she's talking back in Spanish, and you can tell the rhythm was... Like, let's say that the, the the woman buying the cookies, her name is Lena, yeah. and and the cashier, the rhythm of her talking was clearly, Lena, we told you for weeks that you can't have the, we're not going to give you some kind of, di like, Lena had clearly had her eyes on these cookies that weren't selling and was right. like, come January. Sure. She's been dissuading I'm, people yeah, away from them for months. I'm, I'm yeah, going to yeah. do some big scam. Yeah. And then the other woman, and this went on for 10 minutes. Uh -huh. And I had two big things of paper towels because they were cheap. Yeah. Bought paper towels. And you this, bought paper towels on the way to my house? I bought paper because I just figured I'd just get some some okay. errands done. I, I left early. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I gotta, you got to budget your time, man. Yeah. Why don't you go to, you're not a member of Costco or? Mark, I'm trying to tell you, right, this, go ahead, go this ahead. is how you are successful in Hollywood. You, you budget your time. You get your paper towels on the way to things. Oh, okay. That way you, have, right. you have time to go audition. I thought it was things. you get people to get you the paper towels. That's like... step two. Oh. Yeah, I'm in step one. <laughs> so let's go back to the uh, the, the drama. Well, uh, this, Lena... this argument's going on, and Lena is losing the argument and is getting more agitated as it's going she on. She can't have her cookies. She's, well, Or she can't have the cookies for the price she thought she could have mm -hmm. them at. Mm -hmm. And so her world is collapsing. Yeah. And then there's a guy... 
behind me mm. with this old, old Vietnamese woman, and he's this young, sketchy-looking dude with his arm around her shoulder. Yeah. And she has Xerox copies of her of her driver's license and her social security card. Mm-hmm. And the guy with her hand on it, with his hand on her shoulder, is like, just out of nowhere, he goes, "Man, that's a lot of shit paper." At my no, he did not. Yeah, he did. He goes, that's, that's a lot of shit paper. Uh, and then I kind of looked back and I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, man, just gonna, got a lot of shits coming, huh? No, he did not. I, he, he goes, you got a lot of shits coming. And and I was like, uh, and I, said, I realized in his mind, we're the only people here who can speak English. Right. The two, you know. Yeah. And I go, well, the, I go, well, they're paper towels. And he starts going, I've used paper towels when I <laughs> no, shit sometimes. And he just starts talking to me about stop. how I will wipe his ass with. Are you sure you're not? Like, what? And then there's a guy behind him <laughs> who's even sketchier looking, uh, even methier looking, uh-huh. and he's just he just keeps like kind of popping his eyes at me like, hey, like this. And I was like, <laughs> I just woke up again. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I can't figure out, is he with yeah. the guy with the old Vietnamese woman? And clearly they're about to do some kind of scam. Uh-huh. And then I, I, I finally, Lena loses and stomps off and leaves all these cookies on the conveyor, but right. just leaves. Yeah. So then I pay for my shit paper, paper. towel, my, my shit paper, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm, I'm walking out, and then I'm getting into my car, and, the, and as I'm pulling away, the guy... <laughs> Who was the guy who was popping his eyes at me is now outside. There's a dude out in front with no shirt on. Uh-huh. The guy who was popping, he comes out, takes his shirt off, gives it to the guy who doesn't have a shirt on, and like points at me like, that's the guy. I'm assuming from King of Queens. And they both, so it's like the guy with no shirt or he had a shirt. It's like, give me your shirt so I can go in and get whatever we. They're clearly he's probably buying a million Advils, you know, or there's. I think, I think it's uh, actually like uh, Sudafed or something. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, right, yeah. that's right. That's right. The Sud. So, yeah. yeah. It's just three horrible transactions all going on around me, and then one guy just, you're buying shit paper. To me, like how someone delivers shit paper to Patton Oswalt (laughs) and doesn't realize that we've got a a comedy death ray set in the future. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like 10 minutes later and go, well, here's my opening. Are you there tonight? Thank you. Yeah. I'm on tonight. Oh, are you? Yeah. I might drop by. Maybe I should say, like, I was talking to Patton, and there was a guy he ran into. <laughs> I just tell you Actually, story you know what's removed. You can totally, because I've told your story on stage. Which? And I, cr- I credit you about the, um, and I, because I told this years ago about uh, that amazing acid experience that you had. Oh, the which just hang me, on? Which to me is the greatest drug story ever told because oh, well, it's you. so hopeful I know, and I know. optimistic. It, it's changed my life. Like, it really I got, is. It's one of those things where it's like it's wisdom that I've tucked away for when I'm yeah. freaking out about anything. Exactly. And yeah. it's like- and I, I don't remember, know what happened to the guy that told me that. You told me the story <laughs> at dinner. That. We were in San Francisco and you told me that story. And it was like when, when you said that the guy- Said, just hang on, man. It's like, and it completely chilled me out. Yeah, because he had this attitude, like, oh, I've done this. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly where you are. <laughs> You'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> Don't worry, man. Oh. So it's uh, it's good to see you. Thanks, and uh, do you have a dog? I have a French bulldog that looks exactly like me. You do not. I swear to God. Oh, so I have a shit. black mask, fawn, little French bulldog. And you have a daughter. And I have a daughter who looks, thank God, like my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cute. Gigantic I met I, I met her for the first time at the airport. Oh, that's right. And uh, I've met your wife a couple of times. And yeah. we had talked, to, I talked to her about uh, you know, maybe doing a Wives of Comics show. Which that will never fucking happen <laughs> in a million years. Will she ever come what, on what, the what, show What, what are you protecting, Patton? I mean, mm. what, what is the at home My mystique. Yeah. <laughs> protecting my mystique. Now, what does a day for Patton look like? Do you get up? Do you have a treadmill at the house? 
Uh, no, you know what? We had at, at the old house in Burbank. We had a treadmill in the garage, and and when I I remember when I bought it, um, the guy that delivered it was like, "I'm just telling you, man, people never use home gym equipment." And he was completely right. And then we never used it. I mean, she actually used it. She would work out. My wife is very motivated, and I would just never because once it's there, you, there's no reason to get. I'm too close to my distractions. Yeah, I've talked yeah, about it's this. It's like just the garage of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, we were gonna, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's I, yeah, exactly the garage of ideas. I used, to, I used to do a joke about that, about the, it was like, I've, like uh, it was the the garage, uh, the museum of forgotten hobbies mm-hmm. or something. Like you go into, like my brother lives in suburbia. You know, you walk into his garage and he's sort of look, pointing at things like, there's the toboggan. Yeah. Oh, that's a tuba. I don't know what I was thinking. And then like, uh, I think the punchline was like, well, if you get bored, you could open a Friday's because it's also... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, just go get a moose head with sunglasses yeah, on you're it. All you're, set. Yeah, you can get a few menus. Yeah, we had in our garage we had a a, a treadmill, and then we had a, we had a dent free heavy bag. Clearly, never been hit, just smooth as the day well, we bought it. Was the day that Pat and Oswald decided I got to get a punching bag? I got to get a heavy bag. In my mind, I'm like, I got to go. What get were you preparing bag. for? Uh, in in my mind, there's always going to be. There's the the world's gonna freeze and we're gonna have to fend for ourselves. I, so you're gonna train at that in moment. The, in the back you, of my mind, I'm like, I should learn to make fire. I should learn to you know. You should set be trained when that happens. It's not when the shit goes down. You're like, hold oh, yeah. on, poof, poof, yeah, poof, give me ten minutes. There. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I just get out there with Vigo Mortensen. Do you really have that fear? Oh, totally. Yeah, like and, how and do it you, gets how, worse and worse. How do you think it's gonna go down? Uh, I think it will actually go down in a. There's a really shitty movie from like 1980 called Rollover with Christopher Christopherson, Chris Christopherson and and Jane Fonda about the 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 Arabs default or default on all of our loans and the mm-hmm. the economy just basically collapses overnight and the whole movie's terrible except the last 10 minutes which is actually a really well done version of what a financial apocalypse would look like mm-hmm. and I just think now I don't think it'll be nuclear. I don't even think. I, I mean, we'll clearly are going to suffer some terrorist attacks, but that won't shut us down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just going to be this sort of general kind of letting go. It's, it's America will do its version of me when I've been on a diet for like six days, and on day seven I'm in a hotel room, and it's ten o'clock at night, and I just eat everything in the you mini just bar. You're surrounded by everything. Yeah, You've ordered like, room oh, service. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Henry the Eighth up on four twenty wants yeah. more food. <laughs> I, I mean, I just finished a burger and fries, and then I've opened the mini bar and gotten out the the rice <laughs> Pringles cake and the Pringles. Goddamn can of Pringles! The jar Everywhere of nuts. I'm not opening that jar of nuts for fifteen dollars. <sighs> oh yeah. fuck it! I'm, I'm on the road. I'm not, still weird. It's good because I think <sighs> it's going to end like you know, just all at once. Not unlike maybe a, a balloon being let go. That that there's just going to be this moment, or the Earth shifts off its axis just a tad. Yeah, and it's just going to be a singular moment where no one can breathe all at the same time. <laughs> Like the, there's no there's no drama there's no burning shit there's no hordes of people it's just everyone walks out and goes get get, get and you just see your neighbor going, hey, come on, and that, that's it. See that would be good because it'll be over quickly. Yeah, it's like the cardiac arrest theory. Like I just want to go like that. Right. I, I'm I'm terrified that it's going to happen, but in this really uncinematic, unspectacular way where yeah. everyone the panic will come from the fact that people are realizing. So the money in my wallet isn't worth nothing, nothing, anything, yeah. and then and then you realize that you're going to probably be killed in the aisle of a Gelson's fighting over sure. a thing of Entenmann's yeah, it, cakes it, to feed your family. It, it, like it, that's it, how you'll go. It ends with you sadly eating your bulldog, <laughs> waiting for, for for weird hordes of people to come yeah. take your family away. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll starve. <laughs> 
checking to see if the internet is back on for the 800th time. Like, you see if still nothing. No, still no, oh, yeah. and then I just boom, then my stomach eats itself. What is this thing with the with the food though? I do the same thing. Oh, I have hor- I have the worst. That's my. I, I wish that there was a thing. Is like if you go to AA or, or Narcotics Anonymous, or yes, Gamblers, yes, it's 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 exotic and dark and it has that kind of. Jack Kerouac and William Is it? I don't know. I, maybe you're going but, to different meetings of me. I just no, see a I've, bunch I've never of... been, but I just imagine. Yeah. But Overeaters Anonymous, you don't feel like you're going to be in a room with some drawn, you know, haunted-looking poets. You're going to be like people going, well, you know what? Sometimes I'm sad, and then donuts make me not sad. <laughs> you know, and then you realize that's you talking. But you know what's interesting, though, is that food is is a tough one. And, and oh, it, it, it's, it's actually worst. a little deeper uh, in in terms of like people addressing you know the issue and addressing trauma beneath it because with booze and drugs and gambling it's like oh I don't put that in my face that you know but food you have to put in your face yes so so you know regulating that and the control issues around overeating or not eating like you know there's it goes both ways but it's 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 you actually need it you don't need crack right <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know you don't get up and go like I don't know if I'm gonna you know like how can I survive without crack crackheads think that but food is actually one of those weird things that yeah but then there's food that is essentially I wish there was a way I could program my head to look at certain foods as if they were crack or like poison I know I, I get and, on and this the poison, like, did, I love it so much but do you get on that like I get on this thing like I've been on the road two weeks I need to go to the gym I, I know I'm not you know heavy or anything but I'm crazy but like I feel like I want, I'm clawing out of my body because all I've been like once I start eating bread once I start eating sugar, it's fucking over, man. Yeah. I mean, I wake up and it's like ridiculous. Ice cream for breakfast, where's the cake? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That to me, I realize I'm trying to work. Like, is, is sugar my downfall? Is But it's white fucking flour. Yeah. White flour, way more Which than sugar. Which turns into sugar. Yeah, I know. Way, I think, even faster than sugar. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know, and I don't know why this became the view all of a sudden, but I cannot fucking stop. When, when I'm what, here, I, maybe you've experienced this too. All right. When you do, let's say you go to an audition or you go do a show. No, I haven't and the show doesn't <laughs> either, either of those things are very rare for me. Or, but or like, the stuff just yeah. doesn't go the way you want it yeah, to. Yeah. Then you go, oh, fuck, I'm going to go eat. Or let's say you go do a show or do something and it goes spectacular. Then you want to go eat as well. You want to go celebrate. Oh, yeah, and the you're same like, with drugs. I deserve like, it. I suck. Uh. I'm going to drink. I'm the best. Yay, drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I can actually... I was at. I went when to you a, add masturbation to the food problem, though. That's a, the saddest thing in the world. When you're sitting in a room, which is all you have left, like because I don't drink or do drugs, you know, like, but uh-huh. when you're sitting there, like you know, and you've just gone through the fucking mini bar, you've yeah. ordered room service, and then you're just fucking jerking off with candy wrappers and fucking empty yeah. room service trays. Like I win. I, this is the life I've chosen. <laughs> I was in Austin this past weekend after being on the road for three days of nonstop, like Fargo, South Dakota. I got to Austin and I, I talked about this on stage. I I jerked off. Until I jerked off four times, and the fourth time I started jerking off late in the day, I started knowing I wasn't going to come. Really? Just like I'm just going to start. Yeah. Just like starting's kind of. It's like it's like when you're when you listen to your. This iPod, is all in one day. All in four? one day. That's four. ambitious. You are a little kooky. It wasn't ambition. It, it was just like I. You felt better. It, feels, I, it makes you feel better if you but touch. Then, like, but but it was like 
the fourth time felt like like you ever been on the treadmill and you go, I just want to hear the beginning of this song I like on my iPod sure. and I'll click away to the next one. Right. That's what it felt like. I just want the beginning of masturbation. No, I, it, it's lucky what I you want. did that because, like, you know, after that third or fourth time when you're like compulsively <laughs> masturbating, in order to calm the amount, you have to pull on yourself <laughs> and fucking, you know, like realize that, like, this is just hurting me. Yeah. There's no, there's no glory in this at all. Right. I don't mean to get specific, but I've realized, though, that it's weird. Even if you just touch your dick, like, if I touch my dick right now, it changes my brain chemistry. So there's something, like, you know, you feel it's hooked up to do that. Like, you know, when you come, you know, your brain, that's why people, you know, jerk off because it makes them, it's an antidepressant. So well, if you that, would literally hold your dick, you're like, I feel a little better. But well, that, you do you think that would stop me overeating? Like if I was at, like if I'm at Starbucks and I just want to get a tea, but then I look at that goddamn case and I want those little vanilla. Just stand from the case and jerk off. Or just or just have my hand on, on my dick. dick. Yeah, yeah, just touch it. No, nah, I don't know if it'll work because oh, yeah. it's a whole different thing. You want to get everything going at once, and you yeah, just limited true. yourself to God to these two it. things. I mean, maybe crack is good. Maybe you should start a, a, a hard drug problem. You still smoke reefer? I've not, no, not really. No, I just it's it's like red wine and scotch for me. It's like old. Oh, man you and the stuff. scotch. You brought this scotch once, and it almost made me start drinking again. Where the fuck were we when you when you brought that scotch to everybody? We were at Seattle. Oh, at the Seattle Fest, you walk in with a bottle, so you just open it, and literally the entire room goes, "What happened in here? <laughs> yeah. What is that smell?" Yeah, that's right. What oh, is God. that shit? Really, really old Laphroaig. I think it was like 20-year-old Laphroaig I found a bottle of, and so, I just brought it backstage. But now you're this guy. You've grown into this guy that has 40-year-old <laughs> Laphroaig. You go to restaurants. You have the chef you know, come out. and What does he do? What's a chef's table? I was Oh, a chef's table is some restaurants have it, some don't, but um, they'll have a little table either in the kitchen or off of the kitchen where it's like kind of private, and they just bring you stuff off the menu that they're working on. Oh, really? Like, yeah, we're just kind of working Trying on this. Trying this out. Yeah, let's see what you think. I was in... I was at the in the kitchen one night at Providence. We we're all at the chef's table, and they were they had someone had gotten a, a thing of nitrous oxide, and they were just the chefs were just randomly dropping shit into it to see if they could do something. Weird. So Wait, like watching... when, did, when did cooking become that? Like you I, see, I do... do you eat that stuff where it's like where they have like you know uh, you know olive oil and strawberry the, foam? The molecular gastronomy. Yeah, I do, man. Are, do you dig it? I love it. Really? Well, when it's done well, like sometimes sometimes they go a little. I think they go a little too far. Like when places. would that be? Uh, I gotta say, um, there's a restaurant in LA called Bazaar. Yeah, and he has one side of the menu is like old rustic Spanish food. And yeah, the, other, the left side is the molecular future stuff. And th- to his, do they bring you a helmet if you order from that side? You can- <laughs> <laughs> they they have things of nitrous oxide going around the room, frozen <laughs> nitrogen. But um, the 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 rustic stuff is so good. That it just is like, why are you bothering doing the molecular stuff? It must look it's, freaky next to it. It looks a little weird. But then Wait, I've, so nitrous oxide is a real thing that they use? Uh, either frozen nitrogen. Yeah, nitrogen like to, to freeze, flash freeze things in. Nitrous oxide to puff things up. But they do, there, there's a place in Chicago called Moto where I just went. And that was where the chef came out and was like, Can, we just made a dessert for you. And they made a dessert based on one of my bits. Like right there, which what, I loved. Which bit? The, the Christmas shoes bit. And they made, a, they made a pair of like lady shoes and they did this special frosting that looked like cum because there's a part of the yeah. bed where I talk about the guy jerking off on the shoes. Yeah. So they had made that and, and then when they I came to the kitchen they were playing the song Christmas Shoes. As it was just it was it was great. It was I, it, really flattering. It seemed like that would have been a good time to die. Yeah. After you, like, you're like eating kinda, that. Yeah, I'm no done. This isn't gonna happen they've, again. <laughs> they've memorialized my food my, my bits with food. It yeah. seems like that you win. That's you've arrived somehow. And, and they were also happy that like we didn't pick one of your bits about food. We picked the non food bit to make a food out of. There was a couple of great bits. I, I've come to describe you, you know, when uh, I seek to find difference in our style <laughs> and our success levels. 
that you know that here's what here's what I'll say about Patton. Patton, uh, you know, he's he has a Rabelaisian wit. Ooh. I, I use I, and I don't throw that around too lightly because you know I barely got through gargantuan yeah, and, I, and whatever. I, yeah, I, but, I remember I started that because I felt like I feel like I should have read this, but I couldn't get into. But stylistically, it. it's sort of what you do. It, it's sort yeah. of like a, you know a, a very kind of like almost a celebration of uh, of description and explanation. Yes, and then I think I say things like uh, try, huh? I try. No, no, I think it's a great style. And then I also say things like, well, what what Patton does is he creates people to abuse. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing I say. That you create these scenarios with these people you've made up and then you you put them through a lot of painful things. Uh... In a comic book way. I think it's your sensibility that comes from actually yeah. from reading comic cuz you turned me on to comic books more than most people. Like when I had met when I, when I'd moved to San Francisco and we all showed up there within weeks of each other. What yeah. was it, like 92? Mm, summer of 92. Right. Like I had God, uh, I was so annoying then. I was so fucking annoying then. Oh. The uh the <laughs> I'm sorry, ah. you just threw that over here. No, come on, I, no, you, you threw you're that not going to spike it if I set it up like that. Yeah, well, you got to do it. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but no, I had read maybe Hellblazer and Sandman and a few other titles. Yeah, but yeah. Jesus Christ, I mean, I've got boxes of shit. You ha- you got me going on Hard Boiled. You yeah. got me going like you were really into Hard Boiled. That that was like a three or four page, uh, a three or four book series that the art was just spectacular. <laughs> the art was like the art was almost painful to look at. Was that you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I got you that first issue. Yeah, and, it was and, amazing. And I just opened any page and, and I remember. Like, Jesus, God. <laughs> I can't take this. But you, like, you come from that sensibility, and I come from just sort of a reactive, hyper emotional state. But like, I noticed that you know, as you even then, you used to do a, what was that joke that like I was so intimidated at the intelligence of what you were describing. What was the Gordian knot joke? I I just yeah, that was again that was me showing. Have off you brought and, back that joke? No, I haven't because that was back. If you look at a lot of my young stuff, like my first HBO special, all it is is it's a young guy who's super intimidated, and I'm pointing out how dumb everything is. And then I just recently, I think in my last two albums, I've gotten closer to, here's what I'm noticing about myself. Well, that's good. You it's know? taken a yeah. long time. Oh, yeah, it's taken a really long time. you knew your time. shit. It wasn't you were a dumb guy. It wasn't like you would sit there and do what Dennis Miller did. You didn't take a thesaurus out. I mean, your your curiosity <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Was, was intelligent. I mean, you you know, you know, were. I'm sure you were a Dungeons and Dragons guy and that kind of shit, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a whole <laughs> chapter about that in my fucking book, for God's sake. What's sakes. the book called? Wasteland Robots? So, oh, don't pretend like you don't know it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think I might know because I, I met with your publisher. It's uh, Zombies, uh, Spaceships, Wasteland. Zombie Spaceship, Wasteland. There you go. Yeah, I knew that. It's a very, yeah. it's a good title. Yeah, I don't, thank you. And it seems to be doing well. It's doing, yeah, it's doing very, very well. We're going to, I think, but my publisher has said, you're going to get some very, very good news next week, and I don't know what that is, so I'll I'll find When will this well, They're going to, they're probably going to make a, a meal out of your book. <laughs> make a whole <laughs> Lean Cuisine's going to do a whole line of, of lunches just based on references in my book. The, the Pat Oswalt Cafe Classics line. <laughs> You're going to have to endorse them. Yeah, I know. i got to get my face on that well, stuff. What was that Gordian Knot joke? It was something about, I, I was just trying to say, like, fuck the Gordian Knot, that's lateral thinking. That's And I that still don't line. even know what that means. <laughs> Well, it's, it was when Alexander was, you know, conquering everything, and there was this this legendary knot that nobody could untie. The Gordian knot right. was this puzzle, and when he conquered the city, they're like, "Oh, the knot is here!" And he just took his sword out and just cut it. Oh, there! I've saw. I've un, you know, it was that was like, la- "How about this?" Uh huh. You know. So like, now, oh, right, yeah, right now, there's about you know 15 people who are listening <laughs> to this right now who are like thinking back 20 years, thinking like, "Oh, that's what that fucking was." <laughs> Fuck. I remember asshole. seeing. I hated him because of that joke. <laughs> now. <laughs> You've just 
you've, 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 you've unlocked the resentment of, uh, of a few people that now like you. I just, well, I just remember back then, and maybe this was with, when you when you were younger too, is it because you had had a little more experience by the time I met you? But I, you know, I was a as Blaine Capatch put it, you were a lad in the city. Mm-hmm. You were a fucking suburban, you know, kind of smacked ass, and suddenly you're in. That was like my first big city I'd lived in, mm-hmm. and I just remember I wanted to be, I wanted to hang out with the best comedians around. Right. I wanted to hang out with you and Blaine and Greg Barrett and, and Jeremy Proops. Kramer and Proops because what I saw was back on the East Coast, these comedians, these headliners that were, they were funny. Got tired of hanging out with Jeff Martyr? No, no, it wasn't even that. It was no. like they had designed their lives so that they were always hanging out with less funny people than them. Oh, really? So they could on be purpose, the, you think? I think, yeah, I think it was an insecurity thing. And, right, so that's not on purpose. And it kind of calcified them. Yeah. So I, I just, I was, I was determined to like, I never want to be the funniest guy in the group. I, because then I won't yeah, get. I want to hang out with funny people that I respect and then drain them of their life force. Yes, exactly. Rise above them. Come on. There was a couple awkward moments with me and you. I remember the first time I tried to get couple. Sober. <laughs> Lord, like, dude. The one time I tried to get sober that in San Francisco, I think it must have been my second time trying to get sober, and I was trying to make an amends or something. Like I remember oh. we were doing the festival. Didn't I walk up to you and go, "Look, I just want you to know." That uh, I'm jealous of you and I resent you and <laughs> and that like I tried to make some sort of half-ass. Well, there was also a time. There was a period that this happened at Montreal. Then it happened at the Chicago Fest. What? And I and I realized that oh, this is something that he clearly either a, a sponsor or a, a therapist told him to do this. Where we'd meet and you'd you'd take the shit out of me and abuse me and right. you know say shit. And then uh, before you peel away, you go, "Hey, I love you, man." And you then know, you'd walk away. Like, that's then, just being a dick. And, no, but, that, but there was also that it just it it had the feeling of a therapist going. No matter what you say to him, at the end, just go, I love you, and then you'll feel better. <laughs> no, that's something I, I think a sponsor or a therapist would have said, why don't you not lash out at him for no reason? Had <laughs> yeah, to be your own fucking ridiculous bullshit. Walking up bullshit. to this poor guy. He's got, look at him. He's got enough problems. <laughs> I never saw you as a guy with problems, though. Oh, hey, come on, dude. I really I, didn't. I, for some really? reason, I just don't believe it. Like when, Like, outside of the food... You know, I think that you're a guy that you know you're you you get your work done. I remember like when I went to, when I the first time I went to your house in Burbank mm-hmm. for a party or something. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. I don't remember what the party was, but your brother was hanging out, and you had this you know you had that room in back, and it was is at that moment I realized that you know you actually sit there and write because I've talked about this with other people on the podcast. Like there are guys like me who sit around going, "How the fuck did he get that job? Why'd they pick him to rewrite that thing? Oh, because he rewrites things." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's different than me, but you—I mean—you have a work ethic. So whatever your problems are, they don't diminish that. Well, yeah, but that has also gotten in the way. I had a really bad period uh, back in 2007 where I basically got handed, um, and I and I embrace it now. And I talk to the people that, but I basically was handed a, a, a plum writing assignment that they go, "When you write this, we also want you because I had a vision to direct it, and, they go, and you will also direct this." And then what was it? Uh, it would it would have been a fake documentary about George W. Bush as if it were made by as if as if a, a conservative group had paid for it to be made. Right. And it and, and it, it was and I used that that documentary, the um uh there's a documentary called The Power of Nightmares. Yeah. But I was but but imagine if a conservative group made that. You know, and right. it's really and 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 I was gonna do all kinds of different like when I pitched it. It was gonna be at um at Gary Sanchez, um, Will right. Ferrell's company, yeah. and I, I pitched them like they had the basic germ of the idea, and then I said, "Well, we can use these different film looks and take them through this, you know, all this stuff," and they loved it. And then I basically 
just sat and didn't I had this I had the worst writer's block of my life and basically just said I can't I can't turn it in like two months down the road when they were expecting it oh. and they were really upset and they had every right to be and then I think that led to them having to scramble and do that very funny um, you're welcome America they made you know did with the show, show instead. yeah that was good <clears throat> but that came out of my absolute fucking failure to deliver well, what, in retrospect what do you attribute that to uh, because everything just... seemed to be ex- kind of exploding at once. It was like like Ratatouille was happening, and then the second album was coming out. But Ratatouille, then... any did that cause you any turmoil? Uh, it didn't cause me like personal turmoil. It just it felt a little weird to see to see that level of show business to see the Oscars. Did you know that? See, right. I didn't know that it would be get that big. It, it's that. I mean. There is a, in a way, it's, it's like, oh, I see why some people go fucking crazy when they become, and I, I wasn't even becoming a celebrity. I was just, you know, like 50 feet away from the top of the machinery. Right. And watching it happen is really kind of frightening. Right, right. When you see how how huge the stakes are. Is it like Willy, Willy Wonka when the grandpa and the kid get start, <laughs> you know, have to burp you, to get yeah, down? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, what if I was doing that? What if I was just belching? <laughs> And letting that thing like it's like this too much. I can't. I can't fucking be in Ratatouille and then direct this goddamn movie for Will Ferrell. So I just I had to I had to burn one thing. You to the belt ground. your way down from yeah, the blade. Belt your way down to kind of calm down a little bit. But so. it, well, I guess my question though, you know, in, in but because writer's block. I mean, you must have. You don't seem like a self sabotaging person. But you, you just, there was just too much going on. You were just overwhelmed, yeah. and you were in sort of a seizure. Yeah, it was exactly what it was. Well, that's a, that's an interesting question that that I think we should address because when we when we were younger. Or certainly when I was younger, and I think we we come from a little different place. There was this whole notion. I've talked about this a bit with other people, but you know, King of Queens did mm. not really honor your voice at all, and in in the sense that you you know there's there's something about your intelligence and your your stand up and and you know how you express yourself. Uh-huh. But you took a job on a show yeah. that was a mainstream sitcom, and I and I like <clears throat> Kevin James. I think he's yeah. fucking hilarious. Well. And you got to work with Jerry Stiller, but was there a point where you're like, ah, "This isn't, uh, uh, it's going to work against me"? No, you know what? No, because I at, at first, yeah, because I was taking the wrong point of view of it. I was starting to, um, because of King of Queens and because of how popular that show got. Yeah, I was getting headlining offers, and and I could go into rooms and and without a whole lot of work on my part, the, it would just sell out because it would say Pat and I was out from King of Queens. But were they happy? Go, no, because I wasn't taking responsibility for my shows and my audience. And that's where I got booed off stage. That's where I had shows canceled on me. Because they were expecting, <laughs> what, that guy? 8 o'clock family hour, Monday night. And that's when I started realizing, wait a minute, I need to, you can't just, and and, and I, re- I I thought back on all the comedians who let themselves just kind of, kind of ride along the TV exposure, which can destroy you. Right. And that's when I really started websites, doing smaller rooms, really, you know, Comedians of comedy, myself, comedians of comedy, to teach people this is what I do. I'm happy when I get jobs like King of Queens; those are fucking great. And and working on King of Queens was really fun because they would always write a, an odd B story for me. Uh, the whole writing staff and producers were massive stoners, and we would and it was there was just a great atmosphere to hang out in. Um, but you and, actually, and also I learned how to fucking act. If you watch the first two seasons of that show, yeah. it's I'm so I'm amazed they didn't fire me. 
Right. I'm amazed they didn't fire but, me. But there was a concerted effort on your part to fight against the expectations, which were minimal on behalf of that audience, oh, other yeah. than like he's that guy and he's acting like that guy who doesn't but, say much but on the that's show. A, that's a big no, thing I know. to fight against. I, know. I had no idea. I, I just thought, oh, good. I can now I can... Now I can headline rooms without having to do radio because right. they just sell out. And then that got me in so much trouble. And so now I go out of my way. If I'm going to a room, I get a I get a poster made and I let people know this is what I do. And then doing the uh, the mouse. The <laughs> the rat. Well, that to me was I, I think that my people that are fans of me are are huge fans of Pixar because the, the Pixar Right, so that, that that's kind that of, level of right. quality, especially our, that's that's our, rel that's relative to the comedy nerd community. Uh, completely, because we you you and I at our on our best night, especially if you're at the UCB theater, mm -hmm. you're you're playing for the connoisseurs, right? And those are the people that that, that just go, I'll go see every Pixar movie because they will do something great, right? You know, because so, they appreciate yeah. the form. Yeah, and also, luckily enough, smart parents go see Pixar movies, and they, and without me ever having to say it, they're like. We probably shouldn't take our little kid to see him do stand up. Right. It's a ten thirty show. He's right, obviously they know the not difference. Yeah, right. they totally that uh, Ratatouille was caused zero problems for me. How about the Sierra Miss commercial? The Sierra Miss <laughs> uh that uh, I had to go to a uh, sanitarium for a while after that. <laughs> Sierra Miss was literally they had shot it uh, for what I understand they shot it with someone else. Yeah. And they uh uh, for some reason, I don't know why they didn't like that person, and I got a call. I was in my dress room at King of Queens. We were shooting on a Friday night, and they, and my manager called and said, "If you can get on a a flight tonight out of L.A., you can go do this Sierra Miss commercial." And I immediately, and I instantly said, "I don't want to do a, a Sierra Miss commercial." And he goes, "It's for this." And no, he goes, "Okay, fine." And he called them back and said, "No." And then they they doubled the money immediately. And then I called my. Uh, my then fiance now wife and she said oh, yeah you're gonna go do that because i because i also remember i was that's when i was talking telling her about my idea yeah. to do comedians of comedy she right goes, that will pay for that will pay for comedians of comedy and right so that sierra miss commercial paid for the first tour paid for the film to get the film produced yeah got all that done so so yeah so it's a negotiation know. it's show business it's show business and and you know and it was a. It's a. Work, oh, I can't believe I'm. I'm not going to justify it. It was a work for hire that paid so much fucking money. I. I. There's no reason to justify. But it. and I don't. I don't know that you have to because no. there, there was a time where there was something to be reckoned with. I mean, obviously you're going to reckon with yourself, and you still are a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because you, there's something about the idea of blatantly going like, drink this sweet stuff. Yeah. That uh, that you makes you feel a little whorish. But I mean, the the bottom line is. In the age we live in now, if you have people that appreciate you, they're going to go like, so what? He did a Sierra Miss commercial, and now we got this other thing. And yeah. As opposed to like five comics going, sell out, fucking sell well, out. Well, I mean, people who yell, I've said this a million times, people who yell sell out are the people that when they were selling, nobody wanted to buy what they had to no, sell. No, I, I say that. I feel like <laughs> when people go, um, you know, would you ever sell out? I'm like, well, thankfully, I've never been in the position. <laughs> <laughs> to, no one's offered to buy my particular brand of uh, of pitchmanship. Yeah, but like people that that say you should have done one season in King of Queens, you should have quit. I'm like, well, then I wouldn't have been able to do any comedians of comedy. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to produce my first album. Yeah, but also, which I own outright. But, like uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But, but that. honestly, it's not just about money. You you showed up for work. I mean, the one thing that that <laughs> I, that I realize about this business is that you don't get to make more decisions for yourself no. until you make other people money. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, that guy no. makes us money. Let him do that. Mm -hmm. And then, like every once in a while, like you fund your own stuff, and then you get support from it. But you know, once you make other people money, they're like, "Sure, let's give him some yeah. money." What else would you like to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's that's... see if you can make us some more money with the money we give you. <laughs> and also, what people want to see is that can you work with us and not be a pain in the ass? 
But which is you... so. I remember Matt Fraction, this comic book Good writer, said that he goes, "You basically, when you first get your first writing job, they want to a see that you can write, and b see that you're not a fucking lunatic, right?" And they go, "Oh, he'll just he'll turn his stuff in the first every month and not be an asshole about it." You're hired. There's a limitation. <laughs> I think there was a different time where where I think creative people were coddled, even if they were out of their fucking mind, but not so much anymore. Well, that's the one. I, in a way, I think it's kind of good that the. The internet, just that's why how I find all my poster artists. There's people they can just have their art seen, and you know because people see that there's such a huge field of talented people out there, they go, "Well, why don't we go with talented people that aren't assholes?" Yes, yeah. Because yeah. there seem to be as many of those as the assholes. Right, and before the internet, it was just the, the asshole was always the loudest, so they knew that's who he how was. They got, yeah, exactly. That's how they got their stuff out there. Well, fuck, man, that all makes pretty good sense. <laughs> I, I just book, I remember what? one time we were at Cobb's and. And I was, I was getting like, I think I was like 29 years old at that point, and you didn't know that I was approaching 30, and because um, you were up in Cobbs for some reason too, and then you went, "You're almost 30." I said, "Yeah," and then you went, "Pat and Oswald with wisdom and humility." I just can't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to go. You don't have wisdom and humility. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what a dick I was to you. But I remember I was a, I was a fucking. I was a dick too. There was like, there was moments when if I had been in your shoes, would have gone, "Holy fuck, this kid's annoying. This kid is fucking annoying." Well, I tried shit. to figure out today, you know, what annoys me about you, you, you know, and 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 really, I, I mean, because you're undeniably funny, you're undeniably smart, you're a charming guy, you're you know, you're socially adept. Um, I, I just think there <laughs> that there's just uh, there there's a confidence that oh, really, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I've, ne I've never been accused of having confidence. Really? Oh my God, no. You you walk with an air of uh, of uh, sort of uh, uh, you, you seem to. Uh, it's it's not snobbery, but uh, there's just a, an air of confidence about you. You know, there might have been there might have been some false confidence when I was young because I was just putting that front on, mm. and in someone that's young, oh, I I, that I is so you. fucking annoying. Well, no, but but the thing was, you were always intelligent, so you could get away with it in the sense that, like, people yeah. would always believe, like, even if you were a dick, you're like, but that, I got to look up Gordy and not. <laughs> what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> yeah. What is he talking about? I wanted to know a little bit about some of the stuff you did as, as a ghostwriter, as a hired writer, because, like, there's been something stuck in my craw for a while. Not stuck in my craw, sure. that's the wrong way to do it, but I knew that you did some, I know that people call you. To, yeah. to, to punch up shit. All the time. <laughs> it's constant. <laughs> right. So, like, my question was, specifically, um, a couple years back, I can't remember if it was the Oscars. I think it was the Oscars uh -huh. when Ben Stiller presented the effects award, and he did that bit where he came out in the green suit as if there was a, a screen <laughs> behind him, and he was acting like he was just a floating head. Yeah. Was that your idea? No. He had called me that year, and a, I was, that was traveling. It, I, God, I wish I could claim it, but I can't. The year that I went in with him was the year that he, it ended up, he was presenting Best Costume uh -huh. with him and Owen Wilson. And so we went in and we pitched about a million ideas to that guy, Hal Cantor, who was horrible to us. He was like the meanest Is dude. he the head writer at the Oscars? Yeah, and he is, he, he's like a million years old. And uh -huh. He's just sitting there and just, I don't, that's just, how about something funny? Yeah. He'd like bark at us. And Bruce Valanche, bless his heart, was, we pitched this idea that, that Ben really liked and then he goes, I, I can't, this is not how you write. You don't write with a bunch of people sitting around saying jokes. And in my head, I'm like, that's exactly how you write. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he, and then so, and um, and he's like, Bruce, just, I'll, I'll decide what the hell this is. So Bruce Valanche is leading Ben and I away. And I, and I was like, wow, Bruce, I, it seemed like I really 
Pistol, I guess we're not going to do that idea. And then he goes, oh, he's even, he just forgot he talked to us. I'll get it done. Don't worry about it. Like, you just, that guy is so, so nice to us. I don't think I've, I've talked to anybody in the position that you're in oh. of, of what kind of calls, who calls you to do what, and what have we seen that you haven't really been able to take credit for because. <laughs> well, um, a lot of, a lot of the DreamWorks movies have, you know, stuff that I've put in them. Uh, Which jokes movies? Or, Jesus, all the Shrek movies. Well, Shrek 2 and 3, uh, Monsters Incorporated. Uh, you did passes on all those scripts? All those scripts, yeah. And especially some really, n- not even like DreamWorks stuff, like Warner Brothers Animation, Sony Animation. Mostly animation for you? <clears throat> a lot of animation, but a lot of live action, a lot of the Farrelly Brothers stuff. The the fact that um, Jason, uh, oh God, who's the guy from Seinfeld? Alexander. Jason Alexander, the fact that he has a tail, all that was mine from... Uh, 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 from uh, Shallow Hal, and and that when that girl comes up and says, "I've got this, these these tickets for this acoustic Beatles thing," but Clapton's gonna sit in, yeah, you know, and then and then he looks at it and goes, "But her one of her toes is a little bigger." He's like, "Ugh, <laughs> not a big fan of Clap," like just like he can't. <laughs> that was yours, yeah. And then um, some of the stuff in uh, the first Borat movie, I was I was on that early on before Todd Phillips quit and the new director came in and. There was like a they shut down production, so I had to go back to King of Queens, and I couldn't finish out the movie. So Seth Rogen and I had done a lot of writing on that early on, and then we both got pulled away and didn't get credit. Well, how do you get in? How did that occur that you got into the loop with all these people in terms of being that go-to you guy? You know how it happens. It, it's the same way when you first start doing open mics, yeah, and then word just gets around about right. you. I just you know I would do shows in L.A. and by chance somebody was in the audience that either produces that stuff or knows a producer and someone said let's do a punch up table and they went oh I saw some guy and also I tend to talk about movies a lot like right. in the moment and yeah. like let's bring him in and then if you do one or two of these it just your word goes trying like bring that guy in bring him in bring him in but now do you have a relationship with the Farrelly brothers do you have a relationship yeah. oh you do I know them I know all I mean that <laughs> I went in to do a punch up one one Sunday at DreamWorks, and it was the day... No, I went there on a Monday, and the day before, an article I'd written for the New York Times Magazine about doing punch-up, and how backwards it is, how they have you do punch-up on the almost-finished movie. Yeah. And you can't... They just... Just think of lines that could be literally yelled in from off stage. <laughs> which is like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like, so the movie doesn't work, but if someone can yell that, you know, oh, I fell down in some poo! Yeah. That'll... And, and so I wrote about that, and then Jeffrey Katzenberg had, had apparently printed that up and giving it to all of his guys, like right. read this. We need, and then he came in and was like, "Do you have a problem with how we do our movies?" And I was like, "I'm just telling you, you can save tens of millions of dollars if you would let us work on the script and not the movie. Like, let us in early to work on the script, and then that actually changed. Now we work on scripts." So you changed changed. Jeffrey Katzenberg's mind. <laughs> was that a, was that a phone call or did, were you summoned? Oh no! I was in the room. We were all writing, and he came in and was just talking to this me. This is the guy, yeah, huh? Hey. Oswald. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I, you know, I did stuff on this movie coming up called Rango, and I did. Did uh, you do anything on the new Farrelly Brothers? No, I did not do that because I don't. It looks kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I think that they didn't I, need you. I guess they either didn't need me, or I think that one they might not have used a punch-up group. I, I'm not really what sure. What determines that? Who the hell decides uh, that it's not funny? How enough? they feel about the script when it's when it's ready to go. I mean, especially if, if you're the Farrelly's, you've been writing as long as you have. Yeah. You can just tell that, oh, this thing is, like, like they're early. I think one of the best, their best movie is not There's Something About Mary. It's Kingpin. Yeah, Because it great. has the most, 
solid like just world view like of- in your mind like like just quick because it's interesting about that movie because it's so fucking disgusting in some yes parts. like what are, like if you had three memories of that movie what would they be the three memories would be um woody harrelson uh uh leaning down to go coochie coochie coo to the baby and spilling a little bit of coffee on her like <laughs> yeah. like he, he he's a good because that's them fucking with the whole you know early there's the thing about screenwriting goes does the guy pet the dog or does he kick the dog Are yeah gonna make him here so they're having him pet the baby but in being nice he's frightening her with a hook and spilling hot coffee on yeah, her yeah, yeah. it just it's just I just love that that moment just completely confounds your ex- like I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen now in this movie right right it's so fucking great um uh, Bill Murray when he's explaining um, what's when he's trying to get him to say supplemental income and then he goes why don't you go finish that outside because I literally can't listen to you talk right now <laughs> it was fucking great and then the scene when they flee from that uh, the hustlers yeah. and and they they take air in the car and then yeah. he and the the girl Vanessa Angel are just talking and yeah. they've forgotten about Randy Quaid yeah. and they go back to him and his face is just frozen in this scream remember <laughs> yeah, that yeah, and yeah, you realize yeah, yeah. he's been sitting like that for like three minutes just yeah, yeah. there's all these little touches are so great it's so weird because like I can't like that the scene where she after the sex scene with the horrendous where he walks oh, she walks God. out of the bathroom and she says why well, you think you really knocked something loose <laughs> like this is so fucking heinous. <laughs> Or when he's flossing and there's like pieces of oh, meat dangling God. off yeah, the dental just floss. Giant pieces of corn. Yeah, yeah, out. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so cartoonish, but I love it. It's so dark. I for- I had completely forgotten about that movie. It makes me want to rewatch it. Yeah, and the ending is dark. I mean, there's not some massive victory at the end. It's just he basically breaks even. It's it's like yeah. an early '70s movie. Well, and, yeah, but it's so fucking. Funny. But yeah, I think it's important what you said is that, you, and I think you do this in your stand-up too, is that you create this sort of beautiful loser guy. Like he wasn't a yeah. contemptible guy, and I think that's what '70s cinema was about. You know, a lot of beautiful losers in those movies. Yes. Oh God, I, I to, to, that's why I was so happy to do big fan because it was like an early 70s style kind of movie right that's like oh that's those are the characters i want to play so yeah and, and and i haven't seen it's it's weird that you don't see movies that are that are that challenging in terms of of how you approach the character like you watch like i realized that about the coen brothers that you, i watched true grit and i watched it twice because it didn't read as funny to me and the second time i actually got laughs out loud yeah. but i realized that their last couple of movies you know the moral universe they create really leaves a lot on you Oh, yeah. And I talked about this with Kevin Smith. I mean, how are you going to take this in? How are you going to integrate this into your life? Yeah, a lot of open-ended stuff in those movies. Yeah, th- there, there are those the movies that they make, especially. I, I don't know if you saw a serious man. Oh yeah, Sarah Week I'm a Jew. I watched it like six Jesus times. Christ, I saw. I watched that movie twice. Like I watched the screener and I yeah. immediately watched it again. Yeah, it feels like. Whereas most movies, it, it feels like a small door, a thin door opens, and a guy is there to grab you by the arm and go, here we go. Yeah. We're going to this one. Their, their movies feel like warehouse doors are opening, and people are going about their business, and, and no one's there to guide you in, and you either got to decide to go in or not. No one will, is going to lead you but anywhere, you- and you can just go look at the different areas. But no one's telling you how to feel. Exactly, about it. that's right. That's exactly a good. That's a good analogy. And also, I realized about them is that most of their characters, and even their serious movies, are written as comic characters. I yeah. mean, they're so broad and so big and so specific that it's very hard not to that it somehow tempers the horrendousness of some, some of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard to decipher whether or not you're watching a black comedy or a serious. Even in Fargo, I mean, you know, Buscemi oh, and God. that other guy. I mean, those are cartoonish characters. On some oh, yeah. level, 
when oh. he's sitting there bleeding and the other guys. <laughs> I, it's it, it, it. They remind me of the 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 Warner Brothers cartoon character of there's the there's the big mean bulldog and his little hey what are we doing today Butch what are we doing yeah, what are we exactly. going? oh yeah he's sure hopping around him it's basically them. Right, he cl- well, they claim that Raising Arizona, that that character is based on Wile E. Coyote. Wile E. Coyote, yeah. Which and makes perfect sense. There, and there's a shot when Nicolas Cage is sitting in his chair and they're offering him the chicken wings and he just kind of waves it away. Yeah. He literally looks like Wile E. Coyote. The way he's slumped <laughs> uh-huh. and bre- like with that narrow yeah. pelvis and just like, he just looks so drained. Back at the when way he made that- the good choices. He made... <laughs> The Nicolas Cage, but yeah, like the the coin flip scene in No Country for Old Men, you're terrified and also laughing, and you're almost laughing out of terror. Well, also that guy looked ridiculous. I know, and even then the scene where he, the first guy he kills with the the cattle killer, where the guy with that was amazing about that scene is the guy didn't fight it at all. He just put it up to his head, and the guy was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Boom!" Yeah. Well, it, it also you realize that mo- most of the time. We're operating at about forty percent. So if violence were to come our way, unlike in movies where people always dodge out of the way when the car comes careening into the oh, no. cafe, no. people would just be mowed down. Well, if, when you have that moment, well, right? Because like there's that moment where you're where you're in your head. Yeah, most of us, in, even when you're looking at something, you're in your head. So when something real happens, like someone goes, "No!" That moment where everything becomes real, where you you come out of your head into the present in that weird visceral slow and motion. You do thing. not have time. To do anything but freak out. <laughs> two, you know, what, though, there's two things that, that remind me of one. I was driving on the on the uh, Beltway in yeah. DC with with uh, Mark Voice, this community Mark Voice, and we're next to this giant petroleum tanker. Yeah, and it was a blazing hot August day, and the traffic was really crazy for us. And we both had this silent like. Jesus, we we could just fucking die. This thing could either roll or explode. And and I, I I think I said that like, God damn, like we almost died like eight times. And then Mark was like, and yeah, and we wouldn't even have time to go. Oh, great! <laughs> like like we wouldn't like the universe wouldn't even give us the moment to say one cool thing. Here we go. And then you used to do a bit. It was right after that guy went crazy at the McDonald's in San. Oh right, right. Oh yeah, the tray. Like you know. Yeah, and and you, the, you you said it so perfectly. The guy he's got. <laughs> Just it's not the Golden train. Gates, just the inside of a box of large fries. That thing, like yeah, but no, no. You, you, he's got his tray, and you go, and, and oh, you, you describe him, you go. There's a Big Mac. There's his fries. There's his orange drink, and he's walking along, and you just articulated the thought it said, which is okay. Which it was, is just no, it was like there's like Big Mac, yeah, fries, just the chocolate shake. <laughs> and yeah. So you're not even having a thought about your life when you go. Yeah. It's almost like your brain is just doing an inventory. That's gonna go in me. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like that. It, it, there's something again so yeah. hilarious and horrifying yeah, about that. It is. It is. That's what's horrifying is that I'm just going to die like a dumb cow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go out like, like you want to say something cool, but oh, yeah, no, I think about that won't. a lot when I'm laying in bed. It's just like, is it going to just be now? Yeah. Now you, you know, like because like a lot of people they, they die horrible, painful deaths of debilitating diseases. But you know, the the hope is that if you're lucky, you're like you go out like a cow. Yes. But you do want to have some reflection. I think there's something amazing about you know people who actually have the time to come to grips with their past. And it uh, can be there for their family, though it's horrible. Yeah, it, it, it's but yeah, but what what's the choice? Do you want to just go out like a cow, and everyone's got to just kind of go clean up after you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. do you want to have time to get your shit in order? Yeah, and and have a final statement, but then you're it, there with all the pain and loss. Right. Like, yeah. It's, it's well, some people, you know, you, apparently there's planning to be done. Uh, you know, for everybody. Do you have a planning. will? Oh yeah, we had to go through that whole. You know, when you have a kid, you got to sit money. down and yeah, you got to figure out. <laughs> 
<laughs> for me, it'd be like sort of yeah. like, well, I guess someone can have this shit. Well, write the, that down, notarize it. Make sure the calico cats, that, the calico <laughs> yeah. should get his shots. The other one could go to like a nursing uh, yeah. home. So, what, so have you ever gotten one of those? It seems to me that you're, you know, in in that area where have you gotten those phone calls where you're like, holy shit, it's so and so on the phone. Oh, I had, I've just had some calls, be, you know, because of doing punch up or things. Other people have called me and go, hey, I'm presenting an award. Can you, right? Can I, and and some of them they don't use what I say, but I've had some interesting conversations with people. Like who? Uh, Dustin Hoffman called me at home one day. Get out of here. And, and you didn't know like, it was coming? It's no, just like, just like uh, hey, hello, this is, just, uh, uh, is this Patton Oswalt? This is Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and Dustin he Hoffman. was the sweetest. And we, we talked for a bit about maybe you can do this and this and this. Like, and what he, was it for? It was for the Oscars. And then he, he just said, uh, he goes, well, I'm going to pitch this stuff. You're, you seem like a delightful young man. Can I give you a piece of advice? I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, if you're going to New York, take the four... 25 p.m. flight out of LAX on United because you land in New York. It's midnight. There's no traffic. You'll be right in your hotel room by by 12:30 a.m. I was like, "Thanks, Dustin." <laughs> Can I give you some advice? If you if you if you're flying to New York, you, that's good. What was another one? Robert De Niro? No, I no, I never had, never got the call from De Niro. Al Pacino. Uh, yeah, is this a Patton Oswalt? <laughs> Figured I'd call for Patton Oswalt. <laughs> um, uh, he was kind of lovely on the Golden Globes. It's very interesting to watch. He that was show. sweet. Yeah, he was sweet, and De Niro was kind of hard to watch. I, I actually uh, I didn't watch it all the way through, but like it's interesting when you really feel people who are like truly grateful. You know, like you know, like oh my god, this is really moving. Did you see Black Swan? No, not yet. Holy shit! Really? I don't know. What are you hearing about it? What's your vibe going into it? I want to see it because my friends. I, no one is in between. They're either like, "Oh, it's amazing," or um, "Oh, it's the it's the campiest piece of overblown I, see, trash." I can't, I can't but, even see how anyone fucking say that. And I can't stand film critics who say, "Like, you know, haven't we seen this before?" No, maybe you have, and the twelve <laughs> people you're talking about. Yeah. But why don't you give America a chance to get their mind blown? You fucking pompous cunt. I do love the fact I said that, that to, da, the, da, they know who I'm talking to. Darren Aronofsky, w w except for that movie Pie, which I really loved and have seen many, many times. He makes these movies that are like awesome, and I never want to see them again because they're so, they're such an experience. Oh yeah, Requiem so... for a Dream. Like I can't. Like Holy there's no. Shit, how are you gonna watch man. that again? Oh my god. Uh, but no, but Black Swan. I was. Um, you know what's amazing about it, and why he's a genius, is that the way he, like, literally, you know, by five minutes into that movie. Because of the music and his focus on ballet, yeah. I was like, I've been missing something. <laughs> missing you know, ballet, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to get out there. Have you seen the Red Shoes? No. Oh, the old movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember it that well. Yeah, I wanna. I, I wanna. I've seen it like three times, but I want to watch when I see Black Swan. I'll go. I have the Criterion, so I'm gonna immediately go watch it again. Why? Because does he draw from that? Well, I mean, it, it it's it's they're very similar themes of just in, obsession and insanity and and and, and reality starting to flicker a little bit as you get into. The, yeah, it the flickers, role. and I'll tell you, Natalie Portman was pretty tremendous. And I'm not a yeah. huge Natalie Portman because I think she is too controlled as an actress. But this mm -hmm. one, like, he really worked it well. It's weird. I did a movie where I had to have my leg cast in this plaster because they were gonna do an effect where my leg was like kind of messed up. And uh, and the effects house that I went to, there was a bust yeah. they did of Natalie Portman. They did all the Black Swan stuff. I yeah. guess she goes through some kind of psychotic, yeah, a little bit thing. Like, yeah, uh, yeah starts hallucinating or something. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I saw Blue Valentine yesterday. Oh, which how was is that? Fucking amazing! It's just one of those movies. Blue Valentine 
it, it's like, oh, they made a movie for fucking adults. Yeah. For for yeah. grown ups that can deal with watching life and and yeah. and life represented right harshly right with joyously too but yeah. everything no and, i like that shit man. and and how like in the course of an evening shit can go horribly wrong and then get good again and just be, and and jesus christ ryan gosling and michelle williams just are just leave everything out there yeah he's pretty uh he's pretty special and i saw him at the oh. gym and, and i was happy that he didn't look that special that, <laughs> it like, made it, you feel a little better yeah like hey just a guy there's that guy you know yeah, he was shorter there. than i thought and you know he was at the y which you know makes me respect yeah. him more you know like i you know i i like i saw tim allen at the y once and i was you know i was like that's tim allen at the y <laughs> but like ryan gosling at the y it yeah, was kind of good yeah i mean i also like that there, there seems to be this crop of actors in gosling and and Michelle Williams, if you watch Wendy and Lucy stuff. That's great. I like that movie. Yeah, they don't have that fucking... They're not geniuses. They're working actors that do the fucking work yeah. and get amazing results. But I think people that approach stuff from the angle of, I'm a genius and I don't know where it comes from, then you start getting that affected bullshit. Who's one of them? Um, there's a lot of actresses and actors that I think they just have that kind of... They think they're I savants. Just, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know where it comes from. Yeah. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, these people work hard. Like, Sit like, down, underline your goddamn script, rehearse it, and, you know... And arguably the greatest actor of all time right now, Meryl Streep, does that. She's not no, a genius person. No, she's like, she works. No, she works really fucking yeah. hard so yeah. that it... She's so got a craft in right. place. Yeah, exactly. She yeah. has some training and yeah. other people that they act... It's still, like, um, uh, an example, I don't know if you watched... Um, if you saw, uh, oh God damn it! Um, what was the one with, that Jeff Bridges won the Academy Award for last year? He goes into a bar, and him and Duvall have that oh, little yeah, conversation, yeah, yeah. and it is—it just feels like you're watching a documentary. Crazy Heart, Crazy Heart. Oh, and thank you, fucking Christ! That's interesting because Duvall did the original movie that that was he, uh, he did, <laughs> Tender yeah, exactly, Mercies, Tender Mercies, which and, is a great fucking oh, movie. Fuck. That's that a screen, great that movie. screenplay is so genius. The, the shit, it just the, the way it's structured. Yeah. Is is so brilliant. I don't it's have so a, ballsy. It's so weird. I have such a bad knack for reading screenplays because I actually read for a serious man, the Coen Brothers movie. I read for the lead, and oh, when wow. I when I read that script, I was like, "How are they going to make a movie out of this?" I, I I read for the the brother that gets caught in the um at the northern. Remember the the you know the, the guy um. What the fuck is his name? He he's a, he's a big voice actor guy. He played the, the fucked up brother. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Jewish guy. Yeah, the, yeah. He's funny. And uh, I remember too reading that script. Like how how, they, the, how yeah. is this gonna look? Yeah. What the fuck? What and, are they thinking? Then, it really impressed yeah. me about them because like it was at that moment where you realize no one's telling these guys what to do. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you ever did you ever deal with them? Yeah, I I went out to I flew out to Minnesota and I went to their offices and they had the um they for the had, brother part. Or just be for, for the brother part. Else. Oh, okay. the brother part. And and they had and here's how how into it they are. They had for for this movie they had decorated their offices, made it look like that sixty suburban like the the couch in the waiting room. Right. Had the plastic covering. Oh, on really? It, all the fixtures like they create a whole environment. Huh. And they were really into it, and they were really fun guys to talk to. I mean, they're big movie geeks. Yeah. So we kind of bonded on that, and we, you know, we we talked about the stuff. But but again, I love that when I read a script and just like the fuck yeah no kidding what the fuck how are they gonna do this how do you pull this off even like tonally how will you pull this off well the, the whole thing is tone i mean oh, yeah. so much of that movie is about capturing a slice of like this weird oh. kind of first wave of middle class jews and of all places <laughs> you know up there 
You know, it was very specific. And what was interesting to me, given that it was the late 60s, is just how in place that middle, those definitions of middle class Jew is. I grew up in it in New Mexico. But that but, same environment? Uh, well, just sort of, you know, conservative Jews. Like the guy who's like, hey, come here. That oh, si- that, that, guy, that actor, I saw him at the... Um, I, I did a little, like a little couple line thing in the next Harold and Kumar movie, and he was there, and I was so happy and to they, meet him. He was like the nicest guy. And, and God, and, he, was, he was so great. And the thing that they really isolated that I thought was great was just the ridiculousness and the beauty of, of Jewish parables. That, that like, you know, like, that because I've got books of them, you know, Martin Buber's translation of Hasidic yeah. Tales. And you look to these books, like, you know, there's wisdom here, and they all are like that dentist story. Yeah. You know, like, you know, well, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you just drag me through that shit? Yeah, it's 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 they. Uh, I can't. I'm 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 gonna. I can't articulate it. How yeah. how fun it was to read the script and and exciting it was knowing that I have no idea how they'll do this. Yeah, this will look completely different than what I've just read or in my you know. And it was like reading a great novel. No, they, I think all their their movies do the same thing as as yeah. books. It's great. Now, yeah. before uh, we we finish up, let's deal mm-hmm. with. Um, we don't have to get any specifics about you know our engagement around this, but you know, in in talking about, uh, let's let's stick with the the incident of the 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 guy who used your material in a speech. Yes, and and uh, and and talk about your, your your feelings about how to handle something that that is blatant plagiarism in in a in a in a venue that big. I mean, yeah. Um, what happened exactly? Well, I know that you and I had some disagreement, some private disagreements about this. What happened was I suddenly started getting emails one day from different fans, and then people were posting it on my Facebook fan page that, hey, this is your one, one of them was the guy, the opening act had filmed him. Uh, the, a, an actor was um, in the Midwest, was doing my act ver, word for word, it was yeah. just verbatim reciting yeah. my act the way that an actor had would memorize a monologue, right. I guess, and then was claiming that um, the other communities he was working with, uh, he um, uh, told them that they, that they said, "Hey, I think that's, I think that's." Pat. And he also did um, uh, bits from Louis C.K. and David Tell, uh-huh. um, and and they said, "Hey, those are you know." And he said, "I write for those guys. I wrote all those bits." Right. Uh, and then, so he um, was crazy. He was well. He was crazy, and then he got busted because these guys filmed him. And we're putting it all over the internet, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything about it. It was the same way with I wanted to handle it the way that Louis C.K. handled Dane Cook. Right. Like I just want to fucking talk about this. Yeah. Or, or, or Louis said, "Yes, those are my bits. I don't care. I'm going to write more." Right. And that was my attitude. Like, fuck it. Those are bits from two but hours this isn't ago. Dane Cook. This more. is a loser. In, yeah. Exactly. This is some yeah some guy. But then the guy. But then when I wasn't saying anything, and then it was starting to get picked up all over the internet, and people were writing, you know, The Onion was writing about it, and HuffPo wrote about it, and people were like, well, Patton's not saying anything about this. Maybe this guy did write this stuff. No. I swear to God, that was like in all the comments section. They were baiting you. And some of the articles, yeah. So then I just basically came out and said, you know, this guy took my stuff, and, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I don't even do these bits anymore, but these are my bits. They're on albums and stuff. And then the guy wrote to me, and said, you know, I was just, I did do your stuff, and I feel terrible. I was just trying to raise money for this theater. They're struggling, and blah blah blah. And then I, of course, again, the, the way a sociopath would just go, I'll just tell him this line. He'll he'll eat it. Sure. Uh, I don't. Is 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 there nothing more enraging than when someone lies to you badly? 
Like, it, that's even more insulting because it's like, I think that you're dumb enough to eat this shit. And you're just Well, like, they don't what? think that way. They're just being manipulative. Right. They're trying to displace blame. Yeah, They're and then trying- I, I called the theater manager and he's like, we're not, what? That wasn't a benefit. All yeah. the money went to him. So then I just said, hey, look. And I just, I, I basically called him out, not even for stealing, like, you're lying to every, you're trying to make everyone look horrible and you're clearly a horrible person and stop it. Yeah. So then that and then. A sick person. Yeah. And then I'm just done. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then three weeks later, I get a call from the New York Times like, hey, this kid did a, the, the valedictorian speech at Columbia and basically did one of your bits as if it happened to him. I was like, oh, God damn it. So I just put a link on my Twitter. That's all I said was like, oh, here you go. This, uh, And then that just kind of – and then he wrote to me and said, hey, I'm sorry. And then I just went fine. Then I just – that dropped it at that point. But, but, it, but- just, it, just, it just bothered me that – that that all the yeah there was baiting going on of like why isn't Patton saying anything about this stuff and blah 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 and, well yeah because like you know when I dealt with Carlos and I oh, talked to you about fuck. this that like it always seems to me but I guess it's really impossible in the internet age to deal with it diplomatically or to threaten legal action and have the guy shut up because they're ever they're all eyes are upon you because somebody has provoked cornered you into the position to make a public statement also, I don't I I'm raising a daughter and I'm and I'm struggling in my career still I know that. People look at me and go, oh, you're fucking successful. No, you're not. Success just means more work. Right. You know? So I'm like, I don't have time to hire a fucking lawyer and then give this guy more fucking exposure. And then as as other friends of ours who've taken legal action find out, it ends up costing you more fucking money. But, you know? well, but so, ultimately- so to me, what would the best thing to do is like you just shame these people. And then they stop. That, that's the only because because all they want is attention. So if you give them negative attention that starts to hurt their career, that's the only way to stop. It. But the, but neither one of these guys in your situation had a career, and and, and that guy wasn't going to. No, have except that what, what was what was starting to happen was he was so because yeah he doesn't have a career trying to capitalize on he, he doesn't have a career, but he also has nothing to lose. Of like I'm just going to keep repeating that I wrote this stuff and Patton didn't. I wrote it and Patton didn't, and then that can become a meme. Right. So I'm like, I'm just going to fucking nip this in the bud and get on with my fucking life. But, but I, think, I think my curiosity is, and more so in the case of the, the valedictorian speech, is that, you know, it, have you thought through, you know, a, a reasonable way that we can protect ourselves? I mean, outside of, you know, public shaming and creating a, a sort of, you know, cyber lynch mobs that it that, that aren't there precedents being set? I read an article that, that there is a way to defend intellectual property on this level. Well, but I'm at a loss because I, I put that material on an album and in a TV special. I mean, I don't know what else I can do beyond that. Well, I'm just saying that that you know? guy should be penalized. I mean, that that you know, right? I understand you're protected and, yeah. and, and it's clear, but it bothers me that you know, the legal system in and of itself. It just seems to me that none of us, because we don't engage with it, because we've become afraid of how much it's going to cost. I know. And like, you know, anytime you like, you should get a lawyer. I'm like, oh, for me with the divorce, I'm like, there's nothing going to happen. Right. That it's a shame <laughs> yeah. that in in something like intellectual property. We're where, you know, if we had time or we were to, to do some due diligence on it, that we might be able to create a precedent that would protect our material. Yeah, you, you know what? That That is completely true. I'm just, I just know I'm not the one that's going to do it. Okay. Because, and it, and it, God damn it, a, I was counting on you. No, no, I don't. A, it's because of fear, and yeah. B, it's because I'm, there's, there's shit there's I want t- to yeah, do too much time. before I'm, yeah, I, I, don't I, have, I don't have the fucking time. I hear you. And, I, and I've, I've seen people go through the court system, and it just, it that has to become your career. And that, that I don't want that to be my career. Yeah, you know, and and luckily I have enough people that I guess they know my bits well enough. Like that kid that was opening for that guy, that that immediately started filming and going, "This aren't these aren't his bits." Yeah, no, it, it definitely you know? it's it just it's it's a weird world we live in with the amount of information that people no longer 
they for somehow it's almost sociopathic in how people don't realize that information has ownership. That they're yeah you know, that that this it's just or especially phraseology has ownership. Phraseology well, has a personality. That was a defense. In, yeah. That was a defense that, that was actually argued in court, and I should do a little homework on it, maybe talk about it on another episode. That that if you can prove that that this is you and your phrasing, right? And it, that you do have protection somehow. But also the other the other strike that we have against us being comedians is yeah. there is still a part of the public, and especially a part of the intelligentsia, the people you think would know better, smart people, um, you know, paid columnists, and and, and still and lift. Smart, that, no, that not only do they do they lift, but they are one hundred percent confident that comedians don't write their stuff. They get it out of joke books. Everyone knows that. That is ridiculous. That that guy Bar- Barnacle. He's some Mike Barnacle. Mike yeah. Barnacle t- took tons of right. stuff from George Carlin and there was a columnist in the LA Times but who he took Carlin took him down though he took paid him for down that. but but other people still a barnacle still has a career sure and and other columnists especially there was one in the uh LA Times and I forget his name who said Carlin didn't write that stuff he got those out of joke books those are jokes this is this is a paid columnist in the LA Times who was reading a would... joke book by George Carlin yeah exactly yeah well I <laughs> see got, there's a book that has got his name on it yeah, he got it out of this book out of that book the George Carlin joke and, book. and I still have people that you know god you uh you're putting out a new album like I'm, I'm gonna record a new album in the spring and I was and I was talking to a guy on my book tour he goes now I see you're recording a new album I go yeah he goes will it have like new stuff on it I'm like yes <laughs> I yes, I have to. You have to write new jokes in the album. Now, where are you getting these? Like he was trying to like, what have you? What did I find? Some obscure book that I can now record? And, like what the fuck is he talking? But he seriously thought that's what I was doing. But your jokes now. The great thing that I think uh, that you mentioned is happening to you, and I, I have not read the book, but I'm sure there's bits of it in the book. Is that as you get older, as you have a life and responsibility, <laughs> yeah. that all of a sudden you're the one who said to me years ago. You said uh, you looked at me. I don't remember what I did to provoke it, but I never <laughs> forgot it. You're like the truth is hack. <laughs> As a classic Patton Oswalt, you know, wow. game. that was a you know top of the batter, like Bing Bing. The truth is hack. <laughs> I am. I'm going back into my head now to invent fat people. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So the truth is hack. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> Thank you, you like that? Thanks for remembering me, man. Yeah, Ooh. but no, but now are you finding that that truth that may have been approached in a hackneyed way is now starting to resemble your life at all? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every you know, you realize that. Look, it, it, just like with some cliches, the, a cliche must have grown out of somebody yeah. witnessing something, and then like a game of telephone, it gets passed down and becomes yeah. kind of generalized. Right. If they're not racist, you know, <laughs> they can be helpful. <laughs> they yeah. can be very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and you're finding that with your child and that kind of stuff. Oh and... Jesus, yeah. I mean, what, I think the only way to 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 make it not hack is to approach the truth from as honest a personal viewpoint as you possibly can, and just admit everything, admit every fucking thought, and well, allow they, every thought. Well, no, I believe that too. But the, the allowing the thought, I think, is important with you because that you know when you present the truth as what it is, your allowance. You know, it has analogies and metaphors that that are, as I said, Rabelaisian. So, yeah. you know, the you know changing a diaper, we could be with the Patton Oswalt joke in a spaceship within three minutes, uh, and you will be. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a diaper on a spaceship. <laughs> All right, man. Well, Greg, best of luck with the book, uh, Thank you. Zombies. Zombie. Okay, Zombie <laughs> Spaceship Wasteland. Yeah, and it's basically essays, uh, true essays about you and funny things that came out of your head. And good luck with your book, Heroin Push Ups Ice Cream. <laughs> I cannot wait to read that. I never did heroin. <laughs> oh, okay. Never twice, but I didn't shoot it. <laughs> Yay. Oh, all right. Thanks, Patton. Yeah, my pleasure.
Okay, let's end this thing. That was the lovely Patton Oswalt, who I get along with now. Yeah, pretty soon I'm going to get along with everybody, and, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. Thank you for listening to the show. Again, I want to remind our new listeners, we are a uh, a donor-based operation here. Uh, We are listener-supported. This is not begging. This is the way we earn a living. So if you go to WTFPod.com, go to Donate, make a choice, do the rolling donation. $10 a month will get you a T-shirt, some stickers, my love. Uh, $250 one-time donation will get you two T-shirts, three CDs of mine, one Best of WTF CD, a few stickers, a postcard, and my love forever. The unconditional love of Mark Marin for whatever that's worth. Even that is difficult. The unconditional love of me. Go to WTFPod.com and get involved with JustCoffee.coop. Great fucking coffee. Okay? Do that. Get some WTF uh, blend. You can also go to JustCoffee.coop and uh, and do it that way. Uh, I love you all. Get yourself an app for your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod Touch, or your Droid. Get the, the premium option and get some new premium material that was only heard on the uh, best of WTFCD. I'm, I'm plugging too much. Too much plugging. Come to Portland tonight and see me. Goodbye.